10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Good afternoon. The time is 1pm on Sunday the 31st of July and you're tuned in to the Sunday Lunch Show with me, Khalil Rouse from Teachers Talk Radio. Today is another instalment of Pastoral CPD and it's going to be a very important show for anyone that's either relatively new to a pastoral leadership role or actually actually starting one in September. Uh, partway through the show, in the next kind of 5-10 minutes, I'll be joined by Kamoi Walker to talk about how to really hit the ground running. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. If you have a passion for education and a talent for teaching and learning, the Witherslack Group want to hear from you. Join them as they open an incredible new school in Essex and be a founding teacher of English, Maths, Science or Primary with multiple leadership opportunities available too. As Teachers Talk Radio partners, we know how much they care about the well-being of staff and their offer to you will be superb. To find out more and apply for a role, visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Liz Truss, who is in the race for leader of the Conservative Party, has this week focused on education. Ms Trust, a former Minister for Education and Children, has repeatedly said that children are failed and let down by low expectations. She has pledged to drive up the quality of maths teaching and aims to give working parents access to childcare around the school day. 
Miss Trust has also stated that she will follow through on government plans to change staff to child ratios for young children, bringing England into line with ratios in Scotland. She said, My six-point plan will ensure our education system gets back on track by giving every child the tools they need to succeed. Through a laser-like focus on improving maths and literacy standards, we will make a real difference to children's lives. And by giving families greater choice and flexibility when it comes to childcare, we will also save them money. Families are now able to apply for a school uniform grant of up to £200 per child per year, depending on your local authority and individual circumstances. It is a government-run scheme and the grant is non-repayable. Andrea Knowles, a budgeting expert at vouchers.co.uk, explained that the highest grants available to families in England is £150 per child but this could increase up to £200, depending on personal circumstances. In Wales, the grant is up to £200 per child, up to £150 in Scotland, and up to £67.50 in Northern Ireland. However, only 27 out of 149 English councils offer this grant, so parents will need to find out if this includes their local authority. This can be done on the government's website. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to briefly discuss gamification as an idea you may want to try in the future. Gamification is when you design a learning experience in a way that resembles games that young people play. There have been lots of studies into gamifying and a quick internet search will give you some good ideas and further reading. Here I'm just going to present a few ideas I've found to work for me. Before you start, like anything new, you'll need to consider the extra time it's going to take to use gamification and decide whether it's worth it. A basic gamification method is to simply use a game as a theme for your planning. Using a game like Minecraft, for example, hugely popular with younger pupils, the phases of lessons can be split into sections and characters or places in the game can be used to present objectives. Putting this into an understandable scenario, in Minecraft you need 12 eyes of ender to create an end portal. For a topic over a half term, you create 12 challenges in line with your objectives. For each each challenge do pupils achieve an eye of ender. Once all 12 are achieved, they can complete the portal and cross to the end. The downside of this is what do you do with pupils that don't get all of the eyes of ender? Will they be demotivated or do you make the content achievable for all? Obviously, you run the risk of not engaging all pupils, but that goes for any method you try. For older pupils, this could be based on a popular TV game show. In the past, I've based revision lessons on catchphrase. It took a lot of work to create images that represented computing concepts, but the lesson was fun and was just different. You have to remember pupils will sit through a lot of presentations in their school career, so a different lesson from time to time can be quite refreshing. Another idea is using badges. 
These are best applied to tasks that need to be done. For example, awarding badges for digital literacy needed to access content on your school's virtual learning platform, like a completing and uploading homework badge, a badge for responding to feedback. Badges can be made easily in a graphics package and are really a modern digital form of the good old certificate. If this has given you food for thought, I'd love to hear what you're doing or planning to do. Why not get in touch with your top tips at TT Radio 2022? Follow us and tell us what you are doing to gamify your lessons. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to everyone that's in the studio. Please put your name in the chat. Let me know who you are, where you're calling from. I say calling, who you are and where you're listening in from. Uh, Kamoy, if you're also here, just put a message in the chat, just so I'm aware, even though you know you don't need to be calling in just yet. Um, wow, I can't, do you know what? I can't believe we've only had a week of summer. I don't know about you lot, but I feel like I've actually managed to pack. I've consciously tried to pack a whole bunch of stuff into this first week and it's made it feel a lot longer. So then I looked, I realized we weren't even in August yet. I was thinking, right, so we've got, there's a, there's a few weeks to go. A few weeks to go as I've enjoyed. What you guys been up to? Let me know if you've done anything exciting, any time with the family, if you've got kids, what you've done with your kids. We need to share any initiatives, I say initiatives, ideas, activities that people have done with their little ones that may help someone else listening in. Um, what have I done, you ask? Most recently, where did we go? We went to Gulliver's Land in Milton Keynes. Um, I do recommend it for anyone who has children. Probably, I'd say the oldest you'd want your kids to be to enjoy. I'd say oldest is about 10. So the youngest, my little one's two, and he managed to get some enjoyment out of it. They've got rides. I'd say the, the bracket, age bracket is from about two to 10 years old. So that's Gulliver's Land in Milton Keynes. I live fairly near, well, I don't live that near to Milton Keynes, but I'm north of London. Um, so that's why it was one of the options for me. What else? He's gone out to do some stuff with animals. I don't know where they've gone, some petting thing with his with his mother. Um, but yeah, let me know if you had, if you had any, any initiatives, any ideas or activities with the little ones you can share in the group. Or if you've done anything interesting that you think people would benefit from, any ideas for what to do over the summer, um, yeah, put it, put it in the chat. As always, I like to start the show by thinking about what I've even been talking about this week on my own Twitter page, which is at Khalil underscore R91. Um, when I scrolled down, there's a couple of things I've been talking about. I, I did a little thread, a little rant. I call it a rant, more of a stream of consciousness about this um, grammar school. I would call it a debate, but discussion. And I'm not going to act like I'm very kind of well-versed in all what's going on in the, in the world of politics. I'm, I'm keeping out of it. As soon as I knew Boris was gone or leaving, I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then, but you look at the replacements and I'll, I reserve my judgment um, for the air, for the live airwaves, but you hopefully can read in between the lines, like rock and a hard place, essentially. But I know there was a bit of talk around grammar schools that came up on in the discussion. I think it was Rishi Sunak who said that he wanted to introduce more grammar schools. And then, as you can imagine, edgy Twitter um, were, there, there was a lot of discussion about it and whether they're, whether that's the right thing to do or not. If you're listening now and you have an opinion on whether you think that's the right thing to do, what's your opinion on grammar schools? Do you think they're the right way to kind of educate young people? Do you agree with them as a principal? Do you disagree with them as a principal? Um, let me know. It's an interesting discussion. So I had a little rant about it or a little stream of consciousness, if you will, about grammar schools. And I think I've got an interesting perspective because I actually went to a grammar school myself. And so, and it did well for me. Like I can't complain. It did well for me, but I guess it comes down to what you, what we think the purpose of grammar schools is. 
And then also there obviously then comes down to what we think the core purpose of education is. And I'm not going to act like I know fully on Rishi Sunak's arguments. I don't know if he thinks that um, grammar schools are a way of inverted commas. I don't know if he's trying to inverted commas, close the gap, even though I hate that phrase. Um, I don't know if he just wants to kind of boost the education experience or the outcomes of people, because obviously we know grammar schools statistically do very well in their kind of exams, but shock horror, they've got some of the smartest, smartest kids in the country in their school. So of course they're going to do well. Um, I can tell you that the grammar school I went to, I don't think I was taught exceptionally well. I just think we just picked things up very quickly and we were, we were taught from textbooks. Like it was literally textbook in hand and they just read what the textbook said. Like we, they were tutoring us essentially. It wasn't even teaching. They would just have the textbook open. This is maths. I can use the best example of it. They'd have the maths textbook open. My teacher, I'm not going to mention her name, but shout out to you. She would just read, read the, the examples out from the textbook, write it on the board. We'd copy it down into our books. And then would she give an explanation? I think she'd give like a loose explanation. We'd just be able to pick it up fairly quickly because it was like the structure was okay. It was better. We were able to build on the prerequisite knowledge, everything else. It was all right to pick it up. And then we just did practice questions. That was it. Like, I don't remember doing that much talking, that much teaching. I don't think there was much like assessment for learning. It was either got it or you need to go away and practice it more. That was, that was literally it. It's either you got it in the lesson or if you didn't get it, well, now you need to go home and practice it more. And that was my kind of experience. Yes, probably the school has changed up past this point, but we end up getting a whole bunch of good results. But I don't think it was down to the quality of teaching. I think it was just down to the fact that we were, because of how our primary school experience was, we were more likely to do well in secondary school anyway, just because we happened to do well in our sets. So trajectories and flight paths, all that nonsense. So let me know your opinion on these grammar schools. So I was talking about, I was like, right, grammar schools, they're, they're just, in an, I, I put a bit of a summary for my ideal world. And this ideal world, I don't think would ever happen. If, if someone said, you've got to introduce more grammar schools, if someone said that to me, I would have four things that I would try to put in place. Number one, um, I would want these grammar schools to be in deprived areas. So I call it the ends, but we're talking about areas of London that, are, yeah, deprived. Like I don't need to explain it. I would want grammar schools in those areas. Secondly, not only would I want the grammar schools in those areas, I would want the actual catchment area for the grammar school to be small. Because what happens at the moment, and I knew it from my own experience of the grammar school, like, yeah, my grammar school is in, what, North London, but people will be traveling from outside London, West London, Northwest London. There was a coach service. You could jump on a coach from, like, East and take a coach in the school. So the location of the grammar school didn't really matter because it, the catchment was wide. The catchment was just London. So it was just anyone that was smart enough to, anyone that did well enough on the 11 plus, doesn't matter where you lived, you could just get to the school essentially. I know not many came from South, but um, realistically the, the catchment area was not, was not small. I don't think that even was a catchment area. I think the catchment protocol was, if you can get to school, get to school. And if it takes you that long, then cool, good luck. But if you want to come, you come. And it had that, that was the, that was the status of the school. It was just like, right, if you want to come, cool, make your best way to get here and we'll see you in the morning, essentially. But if I had to run grammar schools or if I had to sort an initiative for grammar schools, what I'd do, I'd put them in an area that's deprived. And I'd also make sure that the grammar school essentially had to pick from the pool of people or children in that local area. Would that result in those who are just moving into the area? I don't know. Would that defeat the whole purpose? I don't know, but at least try. And I'd want proper engagement with primary schools, the local primary schools. 
Because I always thought, the same with like GCSEs and everything else, if you go to a school that's not that great and you manage to do well, that tells me a lot about, um, that tells me a lot about your own character, tells a lot obviously about your inverted commas intelligence, whatever that means, work, create work ethic, everything else. Um, so I feel like if you did well in an underperforming primary school, that's more impressive than doing well in a really good primary school. So I would want them to reach out to local primary schools personally. Pick from the crop of kids. If you actually want to make make changes, you need to go to areas where the parents are less likely to be really, really focused on education because they probably got bigger fish to fry with every other with everything else that challenge all the other challenges. So my kind of that was one of my other points. I would want these grammar schools to be engaging with local primary schools properly. Reach like we all talk about this outreach nonsense at universities, everything else, but why not do the same thing? That's what I would want from grammar schools. Thirdly, thirdly, I wouldn't allow any tutoring. You cannot tutor. I don't know if I don't know how to enforce that. I don't know if it needs to be like a surprise test. Blam! Now we have the test, so you can't tutor. No, no. I wouldn't want anyone to be able to be tutored because as soon as you allow tutoring, well, allow as soon as you're able to be tutored, then it becomes a money game, doesn't it? And then it's about the haves and the have-nots and the cans and the cannots. And if you can afford the tutoring, then you get the tutoring. It puts you in a more advantageous position, and it's not a level playing field anymore. And I also thought about, I know you didn't ask the question, but I also thought about, why not just take the, do you know how the UK Maths Challenge, you might not know, UK Maths Challenge happens in schools. Is there scope for these grammar tests, grammar school tests to be taken in the primary school to widen the pool? Because it takes a very switched on parent to be like, right, I want my child to go to grammar school. Now let me do my research and work out when the entrance exams are, open days, blah, 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 blah. And we don't even need to worry about those parents and those children. It's the children, it's the, like the fairly bright kids from parents that maybe aren't as switched on. We need to reach out to them if you want to invert commas, close the gap. So those are my four points on grammar schools. That's what I would do. Will it ever happen? No. But I think that would be, if you wanted to actually get, if you wanted to benefit children from more deprived backgrounds, given the best chance of social mobility and everything else, then you need to actually reach out to them and to their parents and get them into these these grammar schools if you want them to be in grammar schools. Um, do I think that's a solution to solving these education problems? No, I think the solution is you invest in education and you just make all schools better, but that's obviously a, a big feat as well. That's what I was talking about on my Twitter. Um, I had a little rant about that recently. Um, and I know you came here probably wondering about pastoral. We're gonna get to the pastoral side, but I always like for the room to fill up slightly just so when we get into the nitty gritty and the meat of the of the show, then we can have as many contributions as possible. I know Kamoya saw your message on Twitter just now. Um, you will be, I'll invite you to call in in a matter of minutes. What I do just need to say is I have been listening to something called From Page to Practice. And it's one of those podcasts that's actually great to listen to if you haven't actually got the time to read all these edgy books yourself because who has got that time? <laughs> so what you get to, what happens on this podcast is you get to hear from the author. And then most importantly, teachers tell you how they've applied what they've read to their own practice. So you can then go and try it out yourself. So this podcast is again called From Page to Practice. And you can find this podcast on all your normal podcast platforms. And you can, all, you can download some episodes for yourself. So once again, that is From Page to Practice. We're in a bit of a partnership with them. So uh, yeah, if you haven't got the time to read the edge books, if you're busy, 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 then feel free to check that out. Um, and then that's a way to maybe condense the reading into bite-sized chunks and you can hear people talk about it instead. Wonderful. It is just about to tell you about 
Um, what we're going to do, we're going to invite our my guest on. So, Kamoy, there's a little grey phone in the bottom corner, on the well, bottom of the screen. If you press that button, that'll allow you to call in, and I'll be able to bring you into the live studio. There we go. And then, hopefully, technology is going to be on my side. Kamoy, testing, testing, are you there? I am there. I am there. Wonderful. Let me just double check one thing. Have I been pronouncing your name correctly? It's Kimoy. And do you know what? Do you know everyone from London though? I realize it's it's, it's very common. Calls me Kimoy. <laughs> yeah, but I'm not gonna call you Kimoy. I'm gonna call you Kimoy. Um, I was thinking. I was like, do you know what? Let me. I, I meant to message you to be like, is it is it K E Y kind of pronunciation or the yeah. other pronunciation? And I forgot. So I apologize, uh, Kimoy. I'll get it right for the rest of the show. It's all right. <laughs> yeah. But thank you for joining. Thank you for joining. What I like to do whenever I've got new guests on, for the listeners, the people that listen back um, on our kind of all of our platforms, could you just give a little intro about yourself? So in that, I just need like what your current kind of, how long you've been in teaching. Um, you don't need to tell like the name of your school or anything, but the area can be quite useful. Your connection to education, your kind of, I don't know, your, your path up to this point. Um, if you give a little intro, that'd be much appreciated. Yeah, no problem. So short story, came here from Jamaica in 2002, fell in love at the time when my community was known as the worst community in, in Manchester, really. Uh, side, I don't mind saying that. Um, obviously, from then, I realised that change needed to happen. Um, so I acted straight away and I wanted to become a youth worker. But I realised as well as being a youth worker, I only got to see the young people in the evening. And I thought the only way to make change as well is working in a school where you see them in the daytime as well as the evening. So I do both roles, but I've, start, I've, done, I've started both roles from when I was 16 till this very day. So I've been working in education now, maybe 13, 14 years. The same time I've been doing youth work within the local community as well. Within education, obviously, had various roles from learning mentor, TA, um, behaviour manager, to music teacher, um, to head of house, to um, head of year, to now head of key stage three pastoral. Wow, you've been you are you've been about essentially. You sound yeah. like a you sound like, you sound like a busy man, Kimo. I am every day is busy. <laughs> but you seem you're one of the people that who's I can definitely tell your 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 heart's in the right place. You're on a mission to make differences make changes yeah i believe that that's what my calling was to to make a difference and you know to be honest i've done really well in terms of making a difference to so many young people's lives since i've been here in the uk and i think that's nice because i get to see and speak to ex-students for example who tell me even till this day that they'll never forget what i said to them when they were in school Uh, yeah that the transformative the transformative long-lasting impact is is what i think the majority, you know what, I say the majority, but I was having, I've had another show where I was talking about not, I don't think, I don't know what percentages I'd go for, but I don't, I think some people do get into teaching because they want to like fully, fully kind of like influence life chances, change lives, transform all that kind of stuff. But I think other people get into teaching because they love their subject and want to just get people really passionate about their subject. And that's fine as well. Um, but is, I don't know what the split would be if I had to do a poll on how many people kind of saw teaching as a way of kind of just working with kids and helping children or sort of teaching as a way of really engaging with their subject and getting people to love their subject as much as they do. I do wonder if it'll be like a 50-50 split or not, but I'm definitely on the same side as you. Like I teach maths, but that was just one. I just saw maths as the way of getting into teaching. It's not my, it was never my kind of my calling. I didn't, I don't need to teach maths. I'll teach anything. I'll be a cover teacher. I needed to. Um, 
I'd rather because I do safeguarding now and all that kind of stuff. So um, the math side is just by the by. I do enjoy teaching it, but it wasn't wasn't my main reason for getting in. But I do wonder how many people got into teaching for that reason. How many got into teaching because they just love their subject? I do wonder. It's interesting, man. It is very interesting. interesting. <laughs> so talk to me about. So I don't want to know the specifics of your actual. I don't need your school name or location. Yeah. But for me to understand, so you've got this new role. Yes. coming up so you're you from what i gather from what you said so you're you said key says three pastoral leader which yes. sounds to me like are you going to essentially be the line manager or yes. overseeing heads of year seven eight and nine correct yes so i'm going to be okay. line managing at the year seven eight at the year eight at the year nine and will you still be teaching no no so it's going no. to be a non-teaching role um just because of the the nature of the role as well and there's other things that i want to bring into the new school um that i've took from my current school that I was at um so it's going to be quite kind of heavy really if i was to teach um it'd be impossible to do some of those things but i have expressed an interest that i am keen because performing arts is my subject um so i love music it as well so i do a bit of that so i th th we haven't got in the new school there isn't a performing arts curriculum so I've, i have said look I, that's something that i'd be willing to set up and and put together and do a bit of teaching so i'll have to just see how all that fits in in september right so this is a so this is a new school new so you've not, you have no idea about this school in terms of what it's like on a day-to-day -day basis i'm assuming and yeah. you're just you're right and you're going in as the line manager to the heads of year who may have been there for a while essentially yeah this is why it's exciting because mm. I'm trying to make sure i do all my research but it's good to obviously go in in september and speaking to people as well but i've made sure before obviously i, I checked out a few things you know check there's a few youtube videos as well done for the school as well so i've made sure i've done a bit of research just to make sure i know exactly when i go in i, I know already the kind of culture within the school mm, that's that's the thing so you've in your your role is an is is an important well, more than important it's a pivotal role mm -hmm. but i think it's one where you you need before you can do for me personally before you can do that role effectively especially in a new school you need to un, you need to get to like the nitty-gritty of the school culture student culture the like the pastoral setup there's a lot that you need to understand first i think you need to like fully like your first i don't know how many i wouldn't put a time scale on it because i'm just going to be picking some arbitrary amount like a term i don't know for example like half a term yeah. where it's not about for me personally if i'm doing your role i wouldn't be thinking right straight away what initiatives can i bring in i'm thinking no 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 first half term or whatever amount of time let me just understand what this school's about like you can read brochures you can read you can watch videos you can talk to staff whatever else you need to you need to talk to kids you need to be around you need to be in lessons you need to be around the transitions courtyards before school are like you need to just see and observe is i think that's like point because when you mentioned that you had the new role i wasn't i wasn't certain whether it was a new school or not whether it was the same school but now i know it's a new school i'm thinking you need to just not sit back and observe but you need to be making your notes and keeping a track on what's this school doing well where's the sticking points what are the kids telling me what's going on here because you can't get any of that from interviews you can't get any of that from from you can't get much like you can read you know you, they put on the website everything sounds glorious on a website mm. and then it's not it's not until you go then you realize right okay so yes there are some positives but we've got some areas here um yeah. that's in yeah so uh, what are your have you managed to have any time in the school apart from your interview 
So it was weird, the timing. So I, I got the job, obviously, in July as the term was about to end. So mm. it was a little bit of a short time to kind of pull things together. I had to say bye to my old school in that last week and various things happened. And then obviously when I went for the interview for this role, you know, they were dead honest with me, you know. Um, I know the deputy quite well as well outside the school. We're practically like neighbours. Um, so we had a proper chat and he just said, look, you know, there are going to be some challenges in each year group. There are specific numbers of students that are cause of concern. So I'm not going in kind of not knowing that there are going to be some challenges. And I did say in my interview that when I do go in, obviously in September, I want to do an audit. I want to speak to the head of years and I want to see what's been going on, you know, like what some of their worries are, who's their cause of concern. I want to meet the kids as well. So I do want to kind of see what trackers they're currently using, which student is at the top of the tracker, for example, that I can kind of meet and say what's going on, just to kind of get to know some of the kids. But I definitely want to do a bit of a walk around, check-in talks, just to kind of understand how things work. Because what I used in the old school, like CPOMs or um, different trackers, they might not necessarily use within the new school. So I can't kind of go in and say, right, guys, this is the vision. This is what I want to see. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that would be very, very naughty yeah. to go into a new school yeah. and kind of take over like that. So it's more to go in, see a bit of teamwork, see what's going on, check in with them, get to understand the systems and, and processes. And then from there can kind of say, right, OK, now I get what's going on. Here are some ideas that I think would uh, work. Yeah, audit. I think audit's a perfect word because mm. it needs it needs to be. You, that kind of even even I don't know how, how involved you can get parents in this. It's easier. It's more difficult to get parents involved. But in terms of stu talk like students, heads of years, um, and then those like your main two, you gods. I don't know if you can. I don't know how much flexibility you'll have to get like focus groups because we do some. We do in my school. We've done pupil groups, pupil voice. Get focus groups together. You kind of like you get across. You can either do those ones where you have a cross section of kids, like a, essentially like a random draw. So you just pick, I don't know, 10 kids just randomly from each year, for example, or you can do, right, you know, what, actually, I want to speak to the five most vulnerable kids. I want to speak to, I want to speak to the the three, four kids who are kind of the worst behaved, for example. Or I know, and then there's a flip side. I just want to speak to the ones who are kind of like getting it right and find out their perspective on, on what's the day-to-day -day running? What's happening in lessons? What happens in what's the vibe? What's the con what's the culture amongst the students? Because that's a we that's the very very difficult thing to to uh, to see unless you're unless you speak to kids. You can't like the what they're saying to it. You know what I'm talking about when when they're having the little conversations in the side of the courtyard when they're walking to school. What how are they talking to one another? All those kind of things. It's worth the audit's a perfect word. You need to just work out what this school is about. Yeah, and. And that, I think when they see, when your heads of year, and I think the students especially, but heads of year definitely, because they're going to be work, working under you, when they see that you're not trying to come in like the Oracle and say, right, this is my vision for everything off the bat. It's actually, no, 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 no. What's been happening for you? Describe your what's the successes. What would you like to improve? What's like, what have you been doing at the moment? What are your strategies for monitoring? Because you need to be holding these head of years to account because your role is we've got we've actually my school we've got this role coming in this year we didn't have one already because my i should bit context so you understand my school's brand new so we've only got we've now going to have up to four year groups we're going to have a year 10 for the first time wow. so yeah so we've now got a key stage three pastoral lead that role has now been established right. and so it's literally your role in my school and i know the person very well and we've been talking about it and he's kind of like 
he's it's how he you 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 might see your role differently, but he he sees it as he needs to be like holding heads. It sounds harsh, but you've got to hold the heads of year to account. You don't want to be you don't want to be taking there are certain things that you need to absorb as the pastoral lead, but there are certain things that you need to be like, you need to delegate, delegate, delegate. And I think I know I'd find that quite tricky because you know, when you think, right, you know, I can actually, I can handle this now kind of thing. You're like, no, 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 hold on. You need to empower. Delegation breeds empowerment as well. At the same time, it shows you trust them. So I was saying is when you meet these heads of year and you have your little audits and you work what's going on, you need to establish what do they already let me just ask this as well i'm asking loads of questions do they already have your role already or is this a new role no so this is a brand new role that's ah, okay yeah the school's on a journey um mm. obviously we're in a trust a school so from time to time various people might get um headhunted or moved to a another part of the, a role in a different trust so um basically there's been a little bit of that shake up within the school so the, the, there was kind of like gaps of, of of missing and i think they just want to rebuild the pastoral team they really want some accountability they really want somebody to come in or various people to come in and just kind of come in with all these fresh ideas different experience and say right look this is this is how you know this is the idea this is the vision and i think obviously in the next year we'll see that come to fruition in terms of this role really developing but it's brand new same for key stage four they've already got oh. someone in the school who's, who's been in there a long time who was kind of like the senior pastoral um leader whereas now obviously they're gonna have key stage three and key stage four and it's just me working with this key stage four, um four person to obviously make sure that we build a really really good pastoral team Mm. What have they? Did they give you a job description? Yeah, so all of that. But then again, all of that's new because again, I've kind yeah. of come in and said, "Look, this is how I kind of see the role as well." Because I've come from, obviously, I've come from two schools, and um, previously where I was head of year, and my two year groups, I was head of year nine, head of year seven. You know, they were rated the best. You know, in terms of behaviour, attendance, and it's looking at what was some of the ideas or strategies around why those things happen so it's kind of me i came to the school and i said look this is what i did to to make this happen and they really really bought into some of the things i mentioned so i suppose it's again just kind of bringing some of those ideas and strategies forward to to, to develop the team there to do the okay. same so how do you i'm gonna how do you see your role if you had to describe your because your role how would you describe what you think your responsibility is or your 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 role yeah. definition, what'd you say? So I've never been in a role like this before. Like I said to you before, I've been ahead of year, you know, been a behaviour manager where I have had to line manage small numbers of staff. And I suppose being ahead of year, I had to line manage the form tutors. I felt I've done a, a great job in terms of that because I've done different um, surveys over the year where, you know, staff members have said, look, since you came, like, this has changed and our staff morale's quite high. So I kind of see myself going in and kind of obviously overseeing managing these these um head of years um just ensuring that they know that i'm there for them to come and talk to but also i can kind of delegate and say look you know why is this not been done or you know what's going on with you know the air group at the moment and just to kind of for me i see it as a massive teamwork thing but i also want them to know look if they are struggling they can come and speak to me and, and that's where i kind of can see the role kind of growing i don't want to be somebody who they're like scared of and you know see as as the worst kind of person coming in to do this but i want them to see me as right this person's there to help us but at the same time they're there to make sure that we're doing a good job uh, yeah, it's interesting. So when it comes to, because like I was saying, the 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 key stage three pastoral role in my school that's going to be starting, I think he's the guy that's doing it. Feels like 
you know you got your high you got your, your high priority kids yeah. in each year group yeah he i think what he wants to do is essentially take on the the strategic oversight of the highest priority kids in year seven, eight, and nine. So we're, we're not talking about many kids at all. You're talking maybe two in a year group, three in a year group. Um, and then he takes oversight of them because he knows and gets to grips, obviously, their needs. There's likely to be some safeguarding concerns, all that kind of that oversight. And then he wants to free up his heads of year to therefore take, have more of an influence over a wider pool of kids. Have you thought about that? What, what are your thoughts on that kind of approach? That's a really, really good... And I suppose it, it it links into what I was saying before about when I meet with the head of years, I'd like to see what current tracker they're using so I can identify the top-tier kids that are a massive concern within the year group. And ideally, I'd like to meet, meet them. And what my plan was, to put them on a bit of a report with me as, as obviously, a key stage three for me to kind of check in with them, but also sitting down with them weekly um, and just see how they're getting on, but putting interventions in place to support those head of years to know that, right, those kids are being looked at, someone is dealing with them, but also checking in before all of that to see what interventions were in place already. So I'm not duplicating anything. Indeed, yeah, rep- like reports, we love a report in school, innit? Like, we yeah. love reports. <laughs> and I listen, I get why we use them, but I've, I, my, my perspective on reports, I've, I've worked in a number of schools that use reports differently. And I think the phrasing... One of the key things for me when it comes to reports, when you have a kid in report, the phrasing of the targets is very, very important. Mm. Um, even for like the kid who we know have, we have massive disrupt, like massive disruption issues. You need to give them, first of all, they need to be positive targets. Because I've worked in schools where the, the report targets were things like, do not disrupt lessons, for example. And then, or it was stuff like, don't shout out, or it was, don't be rude. And, though, and I'm reading it being like, mm, like, can we positive, can we teach this kid some positive behaviors, please? Because yeah. telling them not to do things is all well and good, but what you, what do you want them to do then? Mm. And when you, when you, when you, when you flip it and you positively frame the report, I've, in my own experience, I've seen a difference in the emphasis and the kid notices different. Cause we're like, I'm like, right, you need to, I don't know. One thing I used to do with a kid. So this kid was very, what was he? So he was like he had he wanted he loved chatting loved one of those kids just always want to talk so i made a target of for example he has to ask i don't know i don't like three questions per lesson after raising his hand kind of he has to raise his hand and ask at least three questions every lesson for example that was a target that i put in place for him and i was like right you need to first we need to know what's going on in the lessons you ask questions you need to know what's going on in the lessons be able to ask questions about it and you need to make sure you're asking the questions in the right way and then you need to like, and then we need to talk. What's a good question? What, and we had a lot of discussions around that kind of stuff. And what happened was, I'm not saying it was like overnight, but that target in and of itself, because in order to achieve it, you have to actually know what's going on in the room. He was like, right, well, I now need to listen. I'm not doing. I'm not doing a target of you need to listen. That's nonsense. I'm going to do a target of you need to ask questions and contribute and move the move the learning of the rest of the kids and yourselves on. So we had a big sit down, being like, right, how are we going to do that? And I involved him in the report process because it needs to be, he needs to feel ownership over. There's no point in me kind of like pushing this report onto him and saying, these are your targets, go. Because then if they don't, if they ain't get, same with adults, if the kid doesn't buy into the report, then they're not going to respect him. If they don't respect it, then it's pointless. It's just a piece of paper that they're just going to throw away and whatever else. So it'd be interesting to find out when you do speak to heads of year, if they do use reports, Okay, what what kind how like how do you set these up? What's the protocol? Parents involved? Like, is it like what's the what's the accountability here? What happens if they flop? 
What happens if they do really well? What happens if they have a really bad day and they fail it on, on a Tuesday? Are there sanctions? Like all those questions, I I would want to kind of see what's in place. And if, and if they're not in place, well, there's there's objective number one, because, because what's the point in having a report where doing badly on it, what happens? Do, does it escalate? Is there, is there an escalation system here? Is there a tiers? Like in my school, we have the lowest level is, well, I say the lowest, that you can have like a subject report, you can have a form tutor report, you can have a, um, a head of year report, or you can have an SLT report. So we have it tiered. So it's, so on the report side, it's worth find out if they've got something like that, because it's worked quite well for us um, to like, to say, do you know what? You didn't pass your form to you. Now you're escalating. Bring your parents in. We're going to have a meeting. This is what, here's a report. This is what happened. And now we're going to escalate to, now he's in a head of year report. This is where it is and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, so in my previous school, Khalil, in my previous school that I've just left now, and um, we had that tier system. So yeah. it was form tutor first and then it was head of year. It was very rare though it went to SLT. So like I said, I had a good year group. The, the school's thoughts of my year group was that they were going to be the worst. That was what they picked up from. <laughs> so before these kids joined the school, you know, because before they join, there's normally a summer scheme or summer club where these kids attend and normally from that they can observe and, and say, oh, I can tell that this is going to be a problematic year group. And they detected that from when they were year six coming into year seven. So at the end, of the year now they're all coming to me like wow you've smashed it like we thought this was going to be the worst year group and i'm like no they're really good i could probably say one or two in that year group where they were problematic but we've done everything we can for them they've been through the test system form tutor head of year um my um slt report even gone as far as obviously looking at another alternative provision because we just couldn't manage that person's need but we we, we use that test system and it really worked i find that that really works when you have those levels in place and parents was on board the amount of time for that child that I'm, I'm i'm describing that i said we've tried everything the amount of time we've had parents in school to say look you know what's going on there we know if we've multiple meetings throughout the year and even the parent it got to the point where they're like you know what mr walker like you know you, we know you guys have tried like it's just him it's him he's not getting it right and we just said look we're gonna have to look at somewhere else but we know we've tried everything in school every intervention that i think that child's probably had more intervention than any other child in the school and um, so you know we've really really worked hard to go through those systems and processes and um, but sometimes when it is the end of the road you know it's sad to say it but you know it does become it does become like that sometimes and we've just got to say you can't do anymore mm, no definitely it does those are the saddest times when you've when you, you obviously we're not giving up on anyone but you just yes. got to make the yeah. you got to make a reasonable decision yeah um yeah. but then i guess so what have you so what did in your previous schools, when it came to reports, how did you, how did you, did you like, what did you do with the report when the kid finished? Yeah, that's a good point. I like that. So in terms of the report, they were on report for two weeks. In the report itself, it was like a booklet. So it lasted mm. for two weeks. So every day they'd report. So if they're on um, report to form tutor or myself, they'd report to either one of us at the end of the day. But the form tutor sees it, then I see it, then I sign it, form tutor signs it, and then parent is very involved so that it will, they'll go home to parents. Parents will have a look as well and they will sign it. And then it comes back into school. Now, when the child finishes with that report, what I did for the year was I had an individual report like a, a folder of each child that was on report so I could archive 
every report that the child's been on. And I've always learned it's good practice. So when it comes to, I don't know, evidence for permanent exclusion or or we've come to the end of the road, we can say, right, look, here's the reports that the child's been on. He's been on report to myself, had um, form tutor, SLT link and no improvement. Then whoever needs to see that can look for and go, do you know what? Wow. Like you're right. So we've got the evidence there. So what I do is at the end of each time the child completes a report, I'd archive that under their folder. Um, so I've always got a copy there if I need to go back and look at that child's individual folder. Yeah, that that's best practice. We, my school, we do our, everything's electronic, so we scan them in, um, and we have we have pupil files on. We've got like a big old SharePoint, and we have pupil files. So we scan in reports, and then we just yeah tracking that. So again, that's another thing you need. That's like you've. I wouldn't know like if I was in your position going to new school in your role, I'd have the list of things that I'd need to find. <laughs> The list of things I need to find out will be extensive, but that's yeah. one of them. Around the tracking side of things, yeah. is it just because you can have you can have, you know what you can have you can have like spreadsheets where it's oh yeah. tick they're on this report or yeah. tick we did this or tick we did that, yeah. but when if you actually have, it's more powerful if you've got the actual the actual report what was written if you've got the space for teachers to write the comments or parent comments or summary of the week like we've got we have like a little box at the end where the person that they're reporting to writes a little kind of comment around how the week has been um and then i don't know how have you ever have you ever attached rewards and or sanctions to performance on the report specifically like on i don't know have you have you either uh, incentivized it or put sanctions in place if they don't know have a, if their whole monday they just bomb the report have you done anything when in those situations yes it's a good question again so straight away yep so i, I suppose w what we did was our targets were quite very firm and stuff so we would say right look if you get say a four in in a day like say within one or two subjects then that child straight away would have an after school detention so they would avoid that straight they they know they don't want to stay behind after school so straight away that report's always looking nice and crisp but on the on the other side as well like you said you don't always want it to be a negative we do have those positive incentives where we go look you get all ones or twos within that week and say for example you get a queue jump or in that same day if they've got a good report up to lunchtime they get a queue jump so all they do is they come to the queue at lunchtime they show me the report and the report says one all ones all good then they're going straight away um in front of everyone else so there's always really good incentives and with year sevens they loved that they, they were coming straight away to me beaming with pride like oh sir i've got all ones and i'll be like right good going and it really really works so as well as the the negative sides which was the detentions if they got fours or threes you know if they got ones or twos they're going for a queue jump for lunchtime so there was always a positive to it mm. safely just to play devil's advocate here um, what do you think the other kids might have thought about the the inverted commas not well, not maybe not naughty the kids that need more support with their behaviour who are now maybe doing the right thing skipping the lunch queue in front of I don't know hundreds of kids who have been doing the right thing for ages yeah you know good good question I think for me I've always been. Um, transparent with the year group so we do mm. i do have the conversations that i don't want him to see oh so why is he going in and you know so we do explain to them look a report is not the stage any of you want to get on to him <laughs> 
it's not it's not a good thing you know for me i've been so blessed and lucky because what happened was just to kind of before i get to that question again um when when i when i had the year groups with every year group i've always had i've always done something called a lineup i'm sure many schools do this so at yeah. break time i lined them up lunchtime i lined them up so every day was like an assembly with me and them so even though our dedicated day was a monday 8 45 till 9 every day i spoke to the year group so we'd line them up and it would be a chat where it'd be like today guys i'm not happy we've got the worst behavior points in the whole of the school so every time i was always keeping them in the loop with everything that we did so in terms of like the report and stuff i'll always make it clear look i don't want to see any of you on a report and they knew if they got on a report that's not a good thing at all so a lot of them would want to come off straight away so if they were on there they know right after that two weeks i need to come off to to, to make sir proud again and they were really they had that kind of aspiration and motivation of wanting to do that which was good but we explained everything to the students we said look if you're on report and your report looks good this is what will happen as an incentive but if your report looks bad then we're looking at detentions then from detentions we get parents in so there was always kind of like a layer to each whether it was the incentive or the, the negative but all the students knew so nobody ever kind of came and complained and go oh sir why is such and such going in so early we kind of always made it clear to them from day one Mm, nice so yeah for anyone that is listening and i don't know because people listen back to this they listen live there's a whole lot of um there's there's wisdom in this in this room at the moment so please do listen if you are listening live and you want to comment in the in the chat please do if you want to interact via twitter you can you've got hashtag tt radio you can at me directly at khalil underscore r91 um just as we've reached a kind of a midway point if you do ever want to listen back to any teachers taught radio shows then you need to head to ttradio.org forward slash listen back or you can do what kimoy did and apparently we're all on well not apparently all the shows are on youtube as well um, and then we're also on Spotify. Like we're all, we're around, we're about, we're about, we're about. On the top, what I'm gonna do, we've got a couple, couple more minutes, so we need to go to the ads. Hopefully my sound's gonna work, we'll find out. But you mentioned, you mentioned lineup, so we do a lineup, but I wonder, do you know, do you know anything about your, your, your new school's routines? Do you so, know any, do they have, what's their pro, do they have like whole school routines that you know of or anything like that? So nothing at this stage, but I did mention it. So when I met with the deputy and the head, I said, look, I said, this is what I did with my year sevens. They, they looked very keen and open to an idea of that. I think it's just looking at the logistics of how could it can it work um, in September if I was to look at every end of year implementing that. I think definitely it's worth a chat because the good thing was obviously I did that for a year as in like every day the kids were doing it. Um, obviously when it, the weather wasn't the best, you know, with dead going and stuff, but like we did it every day and it was so good. Everyone came out to see, I remember when we had a consultant um, inspector that came in, he kind of looked and go, wow, this is really good. Um, but obviously it wasn't just, it just wasn't consistent across the, the whole school where you had year seven, year eight, nine, 10, 11 doing it. it was just year seven. So I think moving forward now, the newer year sevens coming in will follow suit and do the lineup like we did. I've asked them to carry on that that kind of legacy um but i found that it really really worked and i think the school that i'm going to i have said it to the head and deputy head and it's something to to kind of look at obviously i'll have to check the spacing and because the school that i'm going to they because of the way where it's built it's quite it's built in a very there's a lot of houses and loads of stuff going on in the background so we haven't got a say like a 3g pitch we've got a sports hall but outside is like more of a, a small mugger so i'd have to check whether there is spacing for for the, for all say seven eight and nine to do a lineup mm, this is a difficult one so i've been in schools where well and a, a school that i left a little while ago they tried this they and i think 
Um, and I find, I know of a lot of academies that when they've academized the the comprehensive school, they've like initially they've brought in lineup straight away, and they've completely fallen they've fallen flat on their face. Um, and it's a different from from my perspective on it is that this is a difficult thing. And I think you first need to ensure, or first need to be certain that there's there's a need for it. Number one, because when I say need, I mean as a so if there's so you have to look at transitions because obviously we use lineup in my school to make sure that transitions to lessons are calm to make sure that no one's coming in from lunchtime break time morning after morning whatever on like off the walls and causing and then having teachers trying to calm their kids down for the first five to ten minutes yeah. so but we established that from the ground up i you need to there needs to be a need for yeah. something like lineup because that's yeah. that's complete overhaul of a system and kids we know what kids are like. Kid, can you imagine like a year ten, year obviously I know your key stays free lead, but imagine a year nine who's had two, two, three, two and a bit years of one way, and now you're trying to get them to what line up in silence before they go into lesson. Mm. They'll be like, nah. <laughs> but that mm. that that is a difficult thing to enforce, especially if yeah. the heads of year yeah. don't see a need. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So you need it needs to be so that the way yeah. if if you want to pitch it. You need to be certain, first of all, that there's a need for it, which means yeah. you need to be, you need to see evidence first from heads of year and teachers and kids mm. that to and from lessons is a problem. Like post break is a problem. Like you need to see all this evidence and then be like, right, yeah. I have an idea that will, and then see what the heads of year are saying about it. And obviously you're the, you have the final say, of course, in the kind of oversight of it. But I know that lineup, when you go into a new school to change a full routine is, that can be met with a whole bunch of hostility, both from kids and sometimes from staff. Yeah. Um, do, you, do, you, go on. do you know what's funny? Um, the school I went, the school I just finished, I was there a year and I started in September last year. So you can imagine I've gone into a brand new school um, and I've just implemented it straight away. And you know what? It worked to the point where all staff was thinking, wow, this is great. Like you've got yeah, the, the amount of positive feedback I got um from from staff it was incredible in terms of they really really loved it and thought it was a really good idea and that's how we ended up keeping it for a year now the reason it didn't work with the other year groups is similar to what you said before like they're thinking what's this like no we're not doing this and there was kind of that rebellious they did they, they actually did that you know and the other heads of years i think obviously it was it was becoming unmanageable for them because they were blowing the whistle the kids were still playing that it was it was like shouting every day to try and say right get over there in the lineup where the year seven they had it as a routine from day one so i feel like going into a new school now we've got the new year sevens coming in they they again will be used to that routine in primary so i think they would be a good start to kick it off and i think eight and nines will be very easy to follow suit once it's explained to them and they get a you know good idea as to why we're looking to do this then i think they'll be all right but like you said it's getting the buy-in from the staff and hopefully i'm hoping that that that's what will happen i think if if we want to achieve being a good school, we are a good school, but if we want to achieve more in terms of, I don't know, say outstanding and all the rest of it, like we are, we all have to work as a team. And I always say, we just got to try things and see how it goes. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But for me, it's always about trying. And I've always said that wherever I've gone, we can only try and see how it goes and stuff. And like, oh, you know what, you're right. We'll just see how, how it goes. And then we can kind of decide from there. But I want to give it a go. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But at least we can give it a try and see what happens. Yeah, the kids, it's the, you got, the kids have to understand. Yeah. There's a whole, like the whole rationale 
when we obviously we've done it from the ground up, but the the year eights and nines in particular, they like in the same way that staff need to see a need for it, teachers need to see it, heads of year need to understand, pupils need to know why you're doing it and also agree with it being in place. Mm-hmm. And all of it, like when you 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 would want any routine, any initiative to always be able to be tied back to educational outcomes. So you'd want whenever you're justifying this to to kids, you eventually need to get them to see that this routine will boost their chance of achieving in their club, like it will boost their learning time in lessons, which in turn will lead to blah, 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 blah. And they need to, they need to buy Cause boy, I can imagine like the rebellion that I would see in certain schools. If you, if you didn't fully get them involved in it first and just said, right now, I want you to do this X, Y, Z, it's being done to them rather than with them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. The, the kickback. And then it's just a battle of who's going to bow down, who's going to, who's going to give in. And you don't like, I can only, I wouldn't, I would, it would burn me to, to bring in a lineup initiative in a new school and then get so much pushback that then you then renege on it and then, and then say, you know, what, we're not going to do it. Cause I feel like they won. <laughs> no, we don't want, so it's, listen, I'd say that's, I'll, I'll, I definitely will keep in touch with you on that one to see how it's been. Um, but I'd say take, I'd say take time on that. You, I think you could put, you could, the new, the new year sevens, I'd say, I've been in a school where they did that with New Year Sevens and the New Year Sevens did well. Yeah. But what was happening quite early on was the New Year Sevens were in their nice little lines and mm. they'd just be watching the other years uh, not yeah. in their not <laughs> not in their lines. Yeah. yeah. And then we're like, well, if they're like the rebellious ones in the year seven would just be like, well, clearly it can't be that important because not everyone's doing it. Yeah. And then it just didn't work. And then they ca- another school that worked, I knew I know of this school, they canned it because they tried it in year sevens and then eventually the rest of the school weren't doing it and then just fell on its face. So it's lineup, bringing in a lineup is, is a tricky one. I don't know if anyone else in the room, we've got some new people, some people that have come into the studio. Um, we're just talking about, so I'm joined by Kimoy Walker, who's going to be a key stage three pastoral lead in a new school, not brand new school, but new school to him. So a new role um, overseeing the heads of year seven, eight and nine. And we're just thinking about how to do this role successfully and get all this buy-in that you need is is a pivotal, pivotal role, um, and it's a difficult role. It's a challenging role. And on that note, we're fifty minutes in. I've got to take a break for the news. Hopefully, it's going to work. If it doesn't work, I have to read out something instead, just so I can make sure I covered our sponsors back. So we'll see. Hopefully, the news is going to work, and then we'll see you on the other side of this. If it doesn't work, then you'll hear my voice in about two seconds. And as predicted, the news is not working. <laughs> so what I need to read out um, is about our sponsors. So with a Slack group, uh, one of our sponsors, and they're a leading provider of specialist education and care. They need people like you to help them achieve even more. At With a Slack, you'll be given the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression and rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. With a Slack currently has some fantastic career opportunities available to apply for. You need to go to www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. So that's a leading provider of specialist education and care. So if you do want to find out more about With a Slack Group, head to www.withaslackgroup.co.uk. That's W-I-T-H-E-R slackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Wonderful. I'm annoyed that my sound's not working. Like it's, I feel very, usually I've got, the transition music, intro music, outro music, news, and it's just not working. Miss um, Kato Stem, Miss Kato Stem in the chat said, "I've got a future career in voiceover advertising." Thank you very much. 
I think I could do all right with it. I've got I've got the voice for it. I'll take it. You said I've also got the face for it as well. So uh that's all right. Cool. Let's move on. Let's think now. Um from talk to me about this school. Do you know about its priorities? Have you who's first of all, who's your who are you line managed by? That's a good question. So I'm line managed by um, the deputy head, who is actually a role model of mine. I've been watching him for years. He's really he's brought into the trust an anti-racist um, cur well curriculum. He's really done gone above and beyond really. And now all the the CEO of the trust has asked him to kind of come into the trust and and deliver this um, across the fifty two academies. So he's done really well for himself. But he's a he's a BAME um, deputy head. Um, he started as a as a tech teacher actually, and then obviously got the promotion of assistant head. And now in September he's going to be deputy head. So he's going to be originally he was line managing the pastoral team, but they are going to make some changes from September where there's that like what you said before. There's that tear. So you've got pastoral leader, then you've got key stage three or key stage four pastoral lead, um, and then above that you've got obviously assistant principal and then deputy head, and then obviously the head teacher. So he just wants it to be more structured where people know this is the structure this is who you go to if that doesn't work then this is the next person so we've got that structure for september yeah do you know if there's gonna if there's a plan for there to therefore be meetings are they regular do you know if there's a plan to be regular pastoral meetings or not so i i kind of asked him about that because i said to him look i said in my current practice i don't know if many other schools did this but un unless we were very fortunate but we met with the head teacher three times a week so we oh, met no, with the head no, no. yeah yeah we met with the head teacher in my last practice on a monday wednesday friday and it's just again he'll have an agenda and it'll be again he'll touch things on what's safeguarding across the school in our year groups um any good news to share um he'll give like a, a academy kind of update um sorry school update on on what's going on across the school and leadership and and anything we need to be aware of and it's kind of like a really good agenda throughout so it's like a good 45 minutes every monday wednesday friday would meet with him and we'll just have a general talk and keep him up to date so i shared this in the interview and i said look this is what i had with the previous um school that i'm in so i said look ideally i'd like to meet with the pastoral team for year seven eight and nine and kind of whether that's three times a week or two times a week or one time a week but i definitely would like to meet with them just to kind of see how things are going across all three year groups because it's nice meeting them all individually but i think that's going to be a lot of time when we can get them all in the room and, and and just have a general chat as a team i think that that i think that's a priority i think that's something that you you need to push for mm. even if it's i know it's it's all about time and after and it? it's about whether you right you do it is it before school after school lunchtime because everyone's out when you when you take three heads of years out you got to do it you got to do it at a time where it's going to have the least um impact on well the year groups we do ours so we have ours in, at like during form time, um, we have a meeting at the moment. It's, so we have, my meetings only, me, I'm DSL, so I'm safeguarding. So I meet with the pastoral lead and the Senko. Um, so we do ours in the morning, but with heads of year, what do we do? Yeah, the heads of year are currently line, they have one-to-one -one meetings with their line manager, so someone like you, but they currently don't have, they don't come together as three heads of year, but I think that's very powerful yeah. because that's a way to, there's a lot of best, there's, there's probably bet there are things happening in year seven or year nine that would be very useful for the head of year eight to know about mm -hmm. and think in like on how you've managed it. Or there might be a certain scenario that's now popping off in year eight that yeah. we don't know. So now popping off in year seven that the head of year eight actually dealt with very similar back in year seven. Yeah. And you would want 
if you want them to all feel like part of a team, I feel like you want to get those meetings up as a as a priority, led obviously by you, but they should also be coming, I think they should come to the meeting with something, they should be contributing either, I don't know whether they've got, whether it's a safeguard and emphasis, whether it's um, an issue that's cropped up, maybe it could be a behaviour issue or X, Y, Z, and then you can meet and discuss and see if there's the same things. Because if you have the same patterns occurring across three U groups, maybe that's telling you there's a gap in the curriculum, for example. Maybe there's a gap in your PSHE. Maybe there's a gap in your safeguarding training of staff and or kids or whatever else. So it's good to find out. And especially when you have things that, I don't know, you could have a, a spate of, for example, homophobic bullying or sexual harassment or whatever else, sexual comments. And if you realise, hold on, we've got sexual comments, inappropriate comments in year seven, sexual comments in year eight we've also got more harassment in year nine that's telling me now we've got to do some we've got to do some like proper targeted work with all kids in yes. assemblies tutor times workshops blah blah, blah. but you, you can only get that when you when one person says oh yeah i had to deal with an issue of sexual harassment and the head of year seven says well, do you know what so did i last week i just had the same thing yeah. and then you're hearing that being like whoa okay so now we've got we've there, there's a pattern here and we now need to do something about it yeah, it's a cross-board. I, I agree with you, I totally do. And I think with us as a team, the great thing about those meetings is there's five of the years in the room, obviously, with the head and obviously deputy that oversees, obviously, behaviour pastoral. He's in there as well. And what's good is we all just share what's going on. So I'll be like, wow, I didn't know that's what's going on in year 11. Year 11 will be like, I didn't know that's what's going on in year 7. So it was really powerful in terms of how much we all knew. And I suppose we it made, it, it made us really come closer together, knowing that, all right, well, I know what's going on in year 11. So, sir, if you need a bit of help, um, just give me a shout. And that's how we worked. And it was really, really effective. I found that's what was really a strong link with our, with our pastoral team that we met weekly. We were all able to share different things going on. And I might I might say something the meeting like, right, I'm setting up a young carers network um, and I need everybody's um, to give me a name in their year group of who's a young carer. And then everyone in the room straight away could be like, ah, oh, yeah, I'll send you the info later. And it's just easier rather than finding them all individually at various times throughout the day, especially when they're dead busy. I can just do it there and then. And then they can just all get back to me. So it was really powerful in terms of the information we got from each other. Um, and it was good that it was weekly. I think three times a week is an overkill though, because mm. Monday, nothing's much going to change from Monday to Wednesday to then from Wednesday to Friday to then meet again the following Monday. So I felt like that was a bit too much, but it it, it, it seemed to work really well. Mm. Yeah, no, we do it. No, three, I think, I've never heard of a three times a week anything. So I, I, just, I, I, I'm, I don't think anything is important enough in a school to be meeting three times a week. About yeah. it. Um, but I don't know. I think you eat, it's either, for me, it's either a fright, like the obvious ones are Friday or Monday, kind of ending off the week or starting yeah. the week. But it's not, it's also not that, I don't know. That's, that's your call on when to do it. But definitely if they don't do it yet, if they weren't planning on do it, you've got to talk to your, to your, your line manager. And on that note, have you, do you know what the schools, so again, if anyone is listening, so I'm just trying to, where the plat, what we're having here is a, dis, a discussion about how to just get things in place from when you're in September, knowing, finding out what you need to find out. And on that note, do you have, do you know about their past, do they have like any pastoral priorities that you're aware of or any areas, whether it's attendance, punctuality, defiance, I don't know, are you aware of what the leadership feel like are the main or the highest leverage priorities at the moment, pastoral ways? Yeah, no, good question. So I did ask because I did, I did kind of wanted to get a little bit of an idea as to what 
some of the current key things are that's happening in the school and from what i've been told it's truancy there's pockets of truancy yeah in the school so it's kind of right okay now i know that i can kind of look at some some things over the holidays because what i have been doing is obviously i did a lot of things quite early as soon as i I got the role and stuff i kind of made sure i spoke to a couple of other people in similar roles to see what's going on as well but it kind of prepares prepared me when i did a little bit of research just in advance so as soon as i go back in september i can go right well i remember you telling me truancy was a was a key problem here's some strategies and ideas as how to we can tackle it well, that, that's where we're going to go now. So people in the room, if I've got any pastoral expertise alongside myself and Kimoys, we've got to think about now, truancy. Because this is a question that we don't talk about truancy much on Teach Talk Radio, but we do in the pastoral CPD clinic. So strategies for dealing with truancy. Truancy, I'm assuming we're talking about lesson truancy as opposed to school truancy. Lesson truancy, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting, that is, that is an interesting one. Um, I think... My first, what would I do in this situation? What have I done in the past? You would, of course, want to make sure that your your systems around registers and protocols around what even happens with the red, like English period three, and you're taking a register and someone's not there. What are teachers? What are teachers doing? So, like, is there a system there? Because if there's not a system there, then you're already you're already on the back foot because you haven't got you haven't got a system for identifying who's even potentially truanting. Mm-hmm. So what I've so like it's not easy because sometimes you know kids are out of lessons for different reasons anyway, le- like legitimate reasons sometimes. Um, what we do at the moment, and I'm not saying this is like the best the best kind of system you have to do it, but what we do at the moment is so I've given advice to staff, so their registers you can see. You can see all the attendance marks for that for the kids throughout the day. You don't just see your own. So that that small that small tweak in what a teacher can see makes a big difference because you can then start your period three register and you can see who was present one and two. And then hold on. So little student A isn't in my room, but he was in the he was in lessons period one and period two. Where is that person? So then we told teachers, right, in that situation. You can ask a member, like you can ask the class essentially. I don't know where so and so is at the moment, and if no one gives you an answer that if no one gives you an answer that's convincing, yeah. then we use our kind of we then that's immediately an on call thing where we then put yeah. it through our on call system and it gets straight through to whoever's on call in the pastoral team or senior team to say right so and so is not here um, potentially truant in, but they may be somewhere else, um, and that was a system that we we kind of I say system. Uh, do I think we're fully there yet? No. But it did help with it helps with like raising the profile of this because enough a lot of the times teachers as you know would take their own register they would like they would be fine they'll just they think it's most important to mark who is here when actually it's really important to know who's not there um and we had to raise a profile of that because especially the the, the more inexperienced teachers would just take the register okay they're not here cool oh this person is this person is this person is right let's get on with the lesson no 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 we need to know so teachers need to understand the the law around registers anyway and how important registers are and then it's about right what are we doing as a school now if truancy is a problem how we even identify in truancy and it's about finding out what your school i'd say find out what the school is currently doing ask them like without even being like here's an idea ask them so what do we do now truancy is a problem how do we know when someone's truanting do we just wait till we see them walking <laughs> do, do we just wait till we see them walking past the offices or is there something else so i don't know um that's one thing that, that's what we do in our school and i'm not saying it's the it's like the best method for tackling it, but that's one thing that has, it's helped, um, definitely. But I don't know what your thoughts are on 
tackling truancy? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, in, in, a, in a previous school, what we did was there was there was quite high truancy, actually. And mm-hmm. what we did was we created something like a truancy contract, but we involved parents in it every step of the way. So we called parents and we say, look, at the moment in time, your child, you know, safeguarding. We don't know where they are in the buildings at times mm-hmm. because they're consistently truanting. So we said to parents, look, here is a contract that if your child is caught truanting in school, I know it was a bit harsh, but we said, look, if your child was caught truanting in school, we'll exclude them and send them home. Um, so we got parents to come in and obviously sign that. So the parents knew, look, they need to have those stern conversations that, look, if they get excluded because of truancy, this is what's going to happen. I've seen a bit of love there. Um, and I think what's 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 good about that, it, it worked. It really, really worked. They signed the contract, some of the kids that were caught truanting, and it really, really worked in terms of reducing the, the amount of kids that were truanting in school. And if we did caught anyone that was, we'd refer back to the contract and would send them home. And again, it's inconveniencing parents, but it really, really done the trick in terms of parents then kind of saying, right, this is not happening, you know, and, and really speaking to the child. And we've seen a massive decrease in, in, in reduction in, in students' truanting. Yeah, I think that, that hard-hitting approach can definitely, I've seen it work. Um... I've definitely seen it work. I, I think the bit that you said about inconvenience in parents is the, that's what, I feel like that's more, that's where the impact's coming. It's not actually the child. Like the, if a child doesn't want to be in lessons um, and then you say, well, you're, if you're truant you're going to get excluded. If the child really doesn't want to be in school, they'll be like, sweet. They'll mm. be like, fine, cool. So then, but then the, the issue you've got then is you're then, you're very, this for this to be successful, you're reliant on first of all parents caring. Mm. <laughs> like you need, you're first of all relying on first of all parents caring. Then second of all, you're relying on them being, they need to be a source of enforcement. And then it's about, right, but then it's in the messages to parents. They need to realize, hold on, just so you know, like if we exclude your school, if we, if you, if your child truants, then they exclude them, their attendance drops. And then you have to be to parents be like, okay, right, just so you know, if their attendance continues to drop because of these exclusions for truancy, then we need to get our, what in Barnet, we've got an educational welfare officer. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know. They've got, boroughs have got the education welfare officers or whoever's overseeing that. We say, oh, by the way, if your child's attendance drops below 80% or whatever the whatever the percentage is, you're, you're at risk of getting fined. And now parents' ears, parents' ears start pricking up when money gets, when money gets involved. And it's like, that's, you need to somehow, you need to work out what the hook is. For a lot of parents, it's, no, I don't want my child to be excluded. So that's their hook already. They'll be like, no chance. You need to sort yourself out. For some parents, unfortunately, exclusion isn't they may not put a lot of weight on or emphasis on exclusion may not take it that seriously but if you start talking about fines and going to court then they then their ears might start pricking up a little bit and they might get involved because i don't i've never done i've never gone down a route of exclusions for truancy um but i'd say if you are going to go down that route you need to it needs to be pitched it needs to be pitched very tactfully to both parents well mainly to parents because the kid will just and well no the kid they need to then think about the impact of exclusions on their own record as well. Yeah. And then they need to understand, hold on, we need to, re- like, we don't report detentions to when you go to colleges or whatever. We don't report detentions. We don't report positive behavior points or but negative behavior points, but we do report exclusions. Mm. We don't, we do, we do support exclusions. So I think it's, it's very, the, the, um, the conversation you have around it, has got to be very tactful because you're going to be coming up, coming up against school refusers trying to get them to see the big picture, and we know that already is very difficult. Yeah. So I, uh, that's 
that's a difficult one. We had, we had just so we come, we're going to come back to you in a second, but I've just got a couple of things in the chat. Miss Cato Stem said that they have a missing student email address that you contact if the student doesn't arrive after the first 20 minutes. That goes straight to SRT and heads of year. Then they'll email back to say, well, they'll explain either if the child's meant to be at a lesson or if they're not meant to be at a lesson, then the heads of year will then go out and look for them. And, um, oh, Kimo, I think you've got some, some people in the chat. I think these are some, some relatives of yours. You've got yeah. RB in the, <laughs> in the hearts. So you've got family listeners while supporting, which is a great thing, which is a great thing. But yeah, what are your thoughts on the, um, what if, if you didn't go down the exclusion route, what's yeah. the next tip? That's a very good question. So for me, I think it's conversations next. So what I have found in the past is there was children in previous schools where um, they were they were refusing to go to class and they'd, they'd often skip our children. I had a chat with them. I just said, look, what's the problem? It's mm -hmm. either A, they didn't like the teacher um, that, that's teaching them or B, they didn't like the students in the class or the students are picking on them. Hence why they've been truant in class. So easy solutions is always to look at even like a class move. When I did that, that really worked and that yeah. child didn't chew it again. So there are some stuff you can do internally to try and look at the issue and, and fix it there and then. And that don't even need to involve parents once you get to stages like that. I think it's if you do all them things and it still isn't working after you've made moves or done something a bit more bigger and that doesn't work, that's when, obviously, like I said before, that's when I'll, I'll look at that truancy contract and see how it is. But I think I've got to go in now with a fresh pair of eyes, see what's going on. Yeah, maybe even catch up with some of these students where Definitely. you know they 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 are the, they're the ones truanting and find out what's going on, and then Appreciate kind of from there I can judge it from there. Really, I think you'll get a. I think talking to kids that miss lessons, you'll get a very unique perspective on mm -hmm. on their own experience of these of these classes. And I think yeah, first I agree with you. By the way, I think first port of call. If you're telling me truancy is an issue, put give me the height, give me the big truanter, and we'll mm. come and have a sit down meeting. And I don't even, I like, don't, like you said, I don't think you need, you don't want it to be a meeting where it's, I'm now going to tell, they've been, these kids, because clearly being told off, disciplined, sanctioned, like whatever, like that ain't worked. So if truancy is still an issue, you need to get to the crux of it. And clearly just sanctioning isn't helping. So what's going on? Sit down with this, with this child or children. I wouldn't, when it comes to truant, I don't know if I would want to put more than one of the truants is in the same meter. I don't know where they no, just- No, no, I wouldn't do it. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like- That would cause problems. That would cause I feel like they, yeah, I feel like they wouldn't, they wouldn't be honest. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I feel like if you, if you put two people who are truant in lessons, one because of, they're actually being bullied in the class, one or another one because they've got a breakdown in the relationship between so-and-so teacher, one because they're struggling in this lesson, be for academic reasons, they just find every lesson tough because they can't access material. Then I don't think a child is likely to be that open in front of their peers. Mm. Um, so I'd say, yeah, the one on the one on ones and involving the head of year. So I'd say, in, I'd say not just you. I'd say get the head of year. And, but then huh, the count. I'm now thinking right, head of year and key stage three pastoral lead sitting down with one child. Are they going to feel like yeah. they're being told off? I don't know. But there's yeah. a. I think there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a balance there. I think finding out or or. Can you task the heads of year to do it? I don't know, but I feel like you would want to find out for yourself if it's if it's a whole school priority. Hmm, yeah. I don't know. It, I don't know, mate. Yeah. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I think it's one of them where maybe in the first instance, the head of year can get involved and then they could just feed back to me. But really? what I don't want to do is go in and be that person that does it all. Like yeah, I want yeah. the head of years to feel empowered, like what we said before. Like I feel like they just need to 
be able to do some of those things and then kind of come back and feedback and say, right, I've had the chat, this is what they've said, and then we can kind of come up with some solutions or ideas together. But I don't want it to be me coming in and like, right, I'm doing this, this and that. You know, I want them to feel like, right, they can deal with it and then, you know, we can kind of feed back to each other. No, I agree. And people that just joined the studio, welcome, welcome. I'm still joined by Kimo Walker. We're just talking about how to make sure that this first year in a new pastoral role, the pastoral leadership role, key stage three pastoral lead, so that's oversight of year seven, eight, and nine, is as successful as possible. There's a very delicate balance between being, you, we know we arrive to schools with so many ideas of things that have worked in yeah. previous schools, but it's not always, it's definitely, it's a, it's poor leadership in my opinion to mm. literally just take what's worked in your school and straight away, just plonk it somewhere else and say, boom, this worked for me in, in, in the school, in whatever area, we're now going to do it here. No questions asked, let's get it. That's poor leadership. So I think what you've been saying up to now is the right strategy. And on the topic of truancy, like you just mm. said, I agree. I think, I've, like I said, I've I think the heads of year need to should be doing more, but also maybe just have their their mindset tweaked. Maybe it's not it's not about discipline all the time. It's about understanding sometimes and working out what's at the heart of it. And like you said, if it is maybe it is an academic thing, maybe they've actually maybe they've got an undiagnosed. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use the phrase unmet need because Tom Rogers' history. Tom, why did you call you Rogers' history? Tom Rogers in the room and he loves the phrase unmet needs. Maybe the child's got, I'm gonna use it. Maybe the child's got an unmet need and that's why they're truant in lessons. Um, <laughs> which which you need to you know you got to find out there's no point there is no point just being like right truancy is a problem so what we're going to do is we're going to say right anyone that truants fling them in detention <laughs> fling them in detention yeah. and that will that because that's a short-term thing they're just gonna they'll just yeah. get used to they'll just get used to skipping lessons and being in detention that doesn't get them back into lessons it doesn't fix the problem within the lesson so i think that's that's yeah i think that's a good approach anyone that's listening has truancy as an issue you got to get to the heart of it. You got to talk to the kids. Get the heads of year to talk to the kids. I think you should talk. I feel like you should talk to one of them yourself, personally. I don't yeah. know if you should. Just I don't know. I feel like I would want. I would want to at least talk to one of these kids on my own, and then the heads of year can talk to the the other two or three or four from their year group on a one to one. I don't know. I just I feel like as I'd be new to the school, I'd want. I wouldn't want to hear it secondhand. I want to know what these kids, I want to hear what these kids are fully saying about what's going on in lessons because I don't know how much a kid would say, I don't know, you, listen, I don't know the heads of year. I don't know how much a kid would say to the head of year. The head of year might water it down slightly to yeah. you because they don't want to tell you too much. A kid could be like, oh, so-and-so lesson is rubbish. We just don't learn anything. The head of year might not be as open with you. I don't know. Yeah. Um, really, because you're new. So I feel like I personally want to at least meet one of these kids myself and the heads of year can do the rest. And then it's about strategizing. Um, cool truancy. What else? We've only got about fifteen to go. Was there another priority that? No, the... I think that came up as the big, big thing. And I think they were saying that in each year group, there's about seven or eight that were like cause of concerns. So it's just kind of looking at what to do with them when I when obviously when I start in September, because clearly they're going to be an issue in the school um, for a lot of people. So it's looking at what has been done so far with them, because coming from a school where. You know, I was working with so many services and, and, and doing loads of interventions with kids that really, really worked and we've seen a difference. You know, obviously, if we've got similar kids in a different setting that haven't even touched half of those interventions, it'd be good to kind of see what has currently been done for them already and looking at what can I bring that's going to be different 
that's not been you know that's not been brought before my only worry is i'm jumping in a different borough so i don't know if you know how it works here so we've got for example um say um garton which is an area in manchester and then you've got old trafford which is um in greater manchester so i'm going into a different borough now where the services are going to be different you know safeguarding everything's going to be different because it's a different area outside of manchester but it's greater manchester yeah oh boy that's uh that's yeah. a, if we get, if we get sense? if we get started talking on safeguarding we'll be here till three o'clock mate yeah. My, you, I, you've got uh, what's what on, on the safeguarding side yeah. yeah how much is your are you expected to be kind of like um involved in any of the meetings are you inv- are you supposed to be a like a liaison between the the children's services and school or is that still run by heads of year what no, do you know no. that you know the safeguarding setup in yeah, your school? yeah so i've kind of done my local research and i spoke to a couple of people as well so they have got so you've got a deputy head who's the dsl and then below them you've got i think two other members of staff that are deputy dsl so they're the ones that deal with all of that stuff the meetings okay, okay. all the pastoral leaders um are just more sorry the head of years are more just again behavior attendance that day-to-day stuff but they don't get involved in the safeguarding meetings and stuff. However, I think in my role, I'll be very involved with speaking to the DSLs quite regularly in terms of the year groups. That's you got to be. You got to have a link. Like if you've yeah. got, if there's someone on a on a child protection plan mm. um, in in year seven, that's also a behavioural mm. concern. Well, then these everyone needs to be talking because there's there's literally no point. Like what I found this in my role. So I do a lot of, I've done a lot, I do nearly all the meetings and I have to do a whole bunch of liaising with heads of year and everyone else, just keeping them updated on what is going on. Because you know, and anyone listening knows, you can have a child who, I find out about something that happened to their child over the weekend. They come in Monday morning. If you haven't tried, if you haven't kind of communicated that to at least their form to your head of year or someone, when that child kicks off Monday morning, um, people need to know. And so I guess that. There's a lot there. If you've got the, your three safeguarding leads, you in the middle, and then the heads of year, who may be the people on the ground actually dealing with more reactively to the what this child or children are doing, that yes. scene, that chain of communication needs to be swift. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what I don't know if they use I don't know if they I don't know what electronic safeguarding do they use electronic safeguarding software. I'm hoping they do. Do you know? Yeah. So I mean, it sounds to me um, CPOMS is quite popular in what in what we use. Um, okay in terms of that information sharing so they will tag um head of years into any kind of conversation safeguarding um any plans anything like that so head of years will be kept in the loop so they can read and see how a meeting went with a social worker whether um it's been stepped down stepped up you know all of that stuff so i think yeah there should be that there will be that communication already and then your your role there is you've got to hold them to it you've got well i don't know I say hold them to account. I think you need yeah. to you need to be aware of yes of aware of this as well. You've got to start getting tagged into those. You can't be. I don't think you can be skipped out. No. These, well, although although you may not do the yeah, you got to. Although you may not actually deal with it on the kind of day to day with that specific child, but you've got to be kept in the loop because they're going to come to you um, for advice most likely about a particular child. And if you if you don't even know about the circumstances because you've been skipped out, they've gone straight to head of year. You've got to make sure that 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 norm needs to be set up. There needs to be a norm of, yeah, we had a meeting, so now I'm going to tag in heads of year, yes. Also, key stage three pastoral lead, and if necessary, key stage four, whatever, whichever one's more relevant, and then everyone gets tagged or mentioned wherever the, the setup is, so you're all in the loop. And then I don't know, but then that also, when you if you do establish these pastoral meetings, um, 
safeguard and pastoral often go hand in hand. So there's that that whole crossover is an interesting one as well. Oh, oh there's so much. There's so much. There's so much. I know. <laughs> That's why I suppose we we love education. It, it is a, a, a brilliant field. I'm just, do you know what? I'm I'm excited. I can't wait. I'm kind of count. Even though I'm on holiday, I'm counting down the days to go back in September because oh. I love. Uh, yeah, not I love me, a new. Boy. Not not I, me. Boy. <laughs> I am. I am because I love a new start. I love a. Uh, I just. I just. I love it. I love working in the school. I think it's going to be great. I think the role is is what I've always wanted. Um, so I'm happy it's kind of come the way it has. They're going to put me on a SL course in September as well. So I am going to, I think within the next year or two, I am going to be looking at uh, a role within SLT. So I have kind of got a little bit of a career plan moving forward. But I definitely want to stay around the areas around pastoral and um, personal development, all that area. Yeah, no, I'm on. I'm doing the MPQSL at the moment. Um, Brilliant. So yeah, I've, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm technically, I'm SLT at the moment. So it's, it's it's no the course that i'm doing is is, is useful very, very opens my eyes especially because i've been so invested in the pastoral world when you do the mpqsl it it obviously has to go it goes pastoral is one one element yeah and then it has a lot of training on all the other strategic mm. sides of leadership of school and everything else it's been it's been a big eye-opener um for me as well just trying to get to grips with different areas of school that i've not really tackled mm. um well no i'm not really not really led on let me say that i'm not led on for example even though i I'm never led on teaching and learning, for example, even though um, I, I teach, I'm never led on it, never led on professional development, for example. So it's all that kind of, yeah, I'm, and I'm assuming they're going to pay for it and everything else. That's a worthwhile Yeah, yeah, thing. that's what I mean. It's really good how yeah. that's, it was mentioned straight away. You know, when you start in September, you're going to go straight on your SL and another leadership course that the trust runs. So it's all through the trust, but it's all going to be paid for. But I spoke to someone the other day who said all the MPQSLs and all them courses are going to be free for the next two years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 I All I know is they've taken, the best thing about the MPQSL now is they've taken away the essay at the end. That's the best thing. Yeah. So you, yeah. There used to be that five, 5,000 or 10,000 word, some nonsense that I didn't want to do. Yeah. Um, and they've now, they've changed. The one I do is you have a case, you have a case study that you need to respond to. Wow. And okay. it's, yeah. So the end, so the, the end assessment is, I've not, they've not sent it to us yet. We've got a long yeah. way to go. But from what I envisage, the end assessment is some sort of case study. Or I don't know how many pages of a scenario in a school, wow. what's going on at the moment. And then the task is, which I think is a very good task, the task is that you need to then write what you would do in order to respond, improve, whatever else, utilising all the different yeah. um, areas that we've learned about in, throughout the course, which is different to what yeah. had to happen previously, which was from what I understand, you had to, anyone in the room that can correct me, by the way, but what, from what I understand, you had to essentially, not like a journal, but you had to write up all the different ways that you've made, an not an impact, but tried to have an impact yeah. in your own school using all the different elements of the course. Yes, and it was, just, <laughs> it was just so onerous on what did you do? Did you do what you remember people doing it themselves or? No, I did the MPQML. Ah, uh, that was what you had to do. That sounds horrendous. Yeah, yeah and had, you had the limit, the word limit, and, you know, it had to be prim and proper, but there was loads of different points that you had to talk about and stuff. And, yeah, like you said, at the end, it was, again, you had to measure the impact and all that kind of stuff. So to hear that they've removed a couple of things or they've changed it up a little bit is quite it's quite good to know. Yeah, they've changed, from what I gather, they've changed it completely. So it's not it's not about like writing up to show the impact that you've had they've, they've taken that out of the mpqsl right. so now it's it's more 
it's it's a response. It's what am I? What would I do in this kind of mm-hmm. um, hypothetical situation? How am I? I now need to write about all the different areas of professional development, leadership, um, uh, teaching and learning, culture and behavior, blah, blah, blah. What would I do in this situation? How would I go about all these different changes strategically, utilizing all the different teachers or whatever else? How would I do all that and write and do a big old writer at the end, as opposed to racking your brain, thinking about, right, how am I going to measure the impact that I've had? Like, I couldn't think of anything worse. I didn't do a dissertation at uni for this reason. I just don't like doing huge write-ups where you need to have... Um, when you're trying to measure impact and evidence, all this kind of stuff, I'd rather, I like, I think they've taken a lot of feedback on board mm-hmm. and people have essentially said they, they didn't like, they did not like have to, having to then dedicate evening upon evening upon evening. Yeah. Oh, that's another, that's another thing, just so you know. So it's not even like, it's not. So from what I gather, the course that I'm doing, we're when it gets to the end of the course, we're going to have essentially like a week where they release, they release the case study, I think at like the start of the week, and then you have the week in order to finish to do your write-up and it, that's it it's not kind of like because from what i gather for what it was before you had to like do this you had to keep adding to this write-up well or you can leave it to the end but you had to you could present like there wasn't a window there wasn't a window you had a deadline and you just had to get done by the deadline and you had people that were just giving up evening upon evening upon evening wow. week upon week upon week trying to get this write-up done so they've completely changed and, re- and reframed it so that's that's what made me do it this year because yeah. um, yeah. I would, I don't think I would, I don't think I would have wanted to do it. I just think I would have got to the end and just been like, nah, I just, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't have the time nor the headspace to be doing a dissertation. Um, that's not me. Yeah, but yes. Either I'm way, glad listen. They, yeah, glad they've they've sorted it out though, and uh, I know a lot of people doing it and they they're enjoying it. And I suppose in September, can't wait. I suppose again with DSL, like with the MPQML, but but with DSL, obviously you've got to look at a whole school change is that still the case so say for example um say an assistant principal was looking at teaching and learning that's their whole project for the year so for me obviously i have told them what it is that i want to kind of look at as a focus for the year because in my previous um job i created the house system across the whole school okay so from 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 beginning to you know obviously it's still ongoing now and stuff but that was a specific project that I'd done and there was loads of obviously benefits and stuff to it. So in the new school, they'd like me to do that again. So I was thinking okay. maybe I could write the SL up on doing that, but do you still have to like... It's not like no, it's not like that at all. Right. It's not like that at all. Yeah. So it's, there's no... From the course I'm doing, which is Ambition Institute, it's oh, okay. not... It's not... You don't pick a focus and you don't do a write-up on how what you've done since starting the course right. on this area. It's not... It's not like that anymore. It's literally, from what I gather, it's a case study where it incorporates elements across every kind of sector of leadership in school leadership, different issues in different areas, whether it's teaching and learning issues, cult- behavior and culture issues, professional development issues, animosity between staff issues, oh. like well, all that kind of stuff can be, inco- I, what I imagine is all going to be incorporated into one big case study. Mm-hmm. And then it's about, right, what are you going to do? If, in, if you're a hypothetical leader in this hypothetical school, what would mm-hmm. you do to try and fix or improve? And that's what it is. It's no longer about, I'm going to do my MPQSL and I'm going to focus on mm-hmm. teaching and learning and I'm just going to document what I've been doing and how it's had an impact. It's not about that anymore. Mm. On the that's the ambition institute anyway. So that's what they've changed, um, which was which I believe has been a welcome change for for most people. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. 
But yeah, do some, do, I don't know enough about how many other people offer MPQSLs. I don't know if anyone in the room does, whether there's how many different MPQSLs there are out there. I'm not yeah. sure. I think um, there's one, but there's the, the, so basically the MPQML, the discontinued that, it still stands as a as a, a, a original qualification and stuff, but they've now got behaviour and culture, teaching, learning. So that's mm. the, the, that's what's changed, but the SL still remains the same as the, the MPQMH, their teacher one, yeah, as well as yeah. the executive leader one. So them three still stay as they are, but it's just the mid, middle leaders one, the MPQML, that's change now to three separate ones so before it was all of it in well, just mpqml that was it was mpqml mpqsl and mpqh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i never did i didn't do that i didn't for some not for some reason i never did the mpqml right. um, i just kind of just didn't wasn't i don't need to say right or why <laughs> no, i said right yeah right before, before, you said, before you said why i was gonna be like, I was gonna be like whoa hold on <laughs> 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 but um yeah no i just didn't do it so i my first experience of these mpqs was the sl one um and yeah i'm enjoying it either listen Kim, i just seen the time uh we could talk listen you and i could talk for a long time all i'd say what's so for anyone that's listening so people i pitched this show as as thinking about this how to do this successfully hopefully throughout our conversation not only you but anyone else that's listening who may be taking a very similar role um in the future i can listen back to the show and think right hold on let me actually get my mind right here because i think the role you've got that line manager of a head of year role is one to be handled with with care definitely you have a lot of influence but it needs, it needs to be handled carefully especially when it's in a brand new school and i think um my main kind of what i would be doing i think you will be doing is i think the main thing is you got to that audit that audit at the beginning, anyone else that's listening, if you're taking on a new pastoral role, especially in a new setting, you don't want to be going in there with all your bells and your whistles from previous schools straight off the bat and saying, right, let's try this, let's try that. You need to identify what the school needs, you need to identify what's working well, you need to identify what, what's not working well and why. And if you don't know what's not working well, you don't know why it's not working well, then that's you're not going to be able to put anything in place. And I think that's the case, especially with pastoral, because we know pastoral just is so complicated. I think that that audit is your your one of your priorities. What's your main? So if anyone's listening here, Kimo, and thinks right, I'm gonna I'm doing the same role. What's your main? If you got like a main takeaway or a main piece of advice that you would give someone in your position yeah. who's going to do the same thing? Yeah, I'd just say, do you know what? Be confident. I I always say you can do this, um, and believe in yourself, and it's possible. My main thing is hard work and perseverance. And if you work hard at it and persevere, things will happen. And like I said, I always always say you'll go in um as somebody who might not really know what's going on and all the rest of it but people don't need to know that you just need to go in show them that you're confident at what you're doing and it will work so yeah that's all i can say in terms of if someone's going new into a role like that you just got to go in with that self-belief and, and make change mm. and i will say try when we talk about change here and i know i'm this i could talk about this all day but i think there's one thing i didn't mention i should have mentioned is try and this is me speaking to myself and anyone else listening we, it's better to do fewer changes better than try to do a whole bunch of changes and then have to and then spread yourself too thin i think it's it'll be it's important that if you like we're speaking about the truancy thing like if we're saying that still if that's the focus and we need to make that focus so we need can we can try to deal with other things later on but if you try to deal with the truancy and you try to deal with this and you try to deal with that and you want to bring in this initiative and that and that, if you start trying to do too much too early, 
I feel like people just get people just get pulled in too many different directions and your heads of year end up being like, whoa, what what is the focus? So I feel like once you've done your audit or when anyone else is listening, once they've done their assessment, get that highest leverage, delve deep into that highest leverage area. What are we trying to solve and why? Now let's delve into why it's a problem. Okay, cool. What can we now do to solve this as a collective and bring everyone along on that journey? rather than right let's tackle this let's tackle this then we're going to do this and we're going to do that then we're going to do this because i feel like that latter approach will just have it will just pe- people being put they're already finding it tough they've been in that school they've probably been battling with it for for a good few years and they don't now want to be pulled in seven different directions um so I think that's something also to be mindful of as well yeah yeah i agree, yeah. I agree. Oh man, right. Kimo will be, I know we'll be in, I will, we will remain in touch on the socials and everything else, but thank you man for coming on and just offering, you reached out to me. Thank you for reaching out and agreeing to come on the show at such short, well, relatively short. I've seen Pastoral, you know, you see Pastoral everywhere and I just think, yeah, I've seen you a few times on Twitter and you've put some good content out there and I thought I really need to reach out to you. Because again, when you're going into a new role like this, you know, you need people who have got the experience, who have got, you know, already, you know, a lot of things that they know. And I thought, you know, you seem like just the person. So I thought, let me reach out and get some advice and stuff. And you've really kind of given me a lot of confidence now going moving forward. Oh, you flatter me, man. I take. Oh, thank you very much. I miss, I, I've just seen a message from Miss Kettlestem. I know she's probably chatting something. Oh, she no, she liked the show. So I thought Miss Kettlestem. She likes a little quip, Miss Kettlestem. I thought she was going to come and say something about me. Um, but no, I appreciate. I appreciate the compliment, man. I'm just trying to. We needed a space on Teach Talk Radio, and it's a good thing. That's what Tom's enabled us to do. Mm-hmm. And then I've just decided to create a space where we do talk about pastoral because we don't talk about it enough. Like it's not there aren't pastoral CPD sessions in school. There aren't. They don't, you don't often get trained on how to, there are schools where people don't get trained on how to talk to kids, how to actually like build positive relationships, how to, um, how to manage a challenging situation in the classroom. Like you don't have big old training on that. You just have trained, not just, you have a lot of training on pedagogy and assessment for learning, but all the softest, the softer skills and more human side, we don't often train on it. So that's why I tried to create this space where we can discuss these things to hopefully benefit obviously ourselves first and foremost to just share share expertise but also anyone else that's listening to the to the podcast on catch up or anything else then they can listen and actually hopefully learn learn from it as well oh man what we'll do <laughs> we'll leave it there man thank you very much Kimo, for coming on um if you want to listen back to the show if you just joined then you want to go back to ttradio.org uh, forward slash listen back or you can follow teach radio on twitter at TT Radio 2022. You can follow me on Twitter at Khalil underscore R91, or you can follow Kimoy on Twitter at Kimoy Walker. Um, interact with us. We want to just extend this pastoral network. Thank you again for coming on, and we'll sign off and leave it there. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.